0: Welcome to Darker Days Radio, episode number 43. I am, of course, your host, Mike. And tonight, joining me, I've got Ian Watson. How's it going, Ian? Hi, I'm pretty good, thanks. How are you? Pretty good. You're going to be damn awesome after this episode. And we've also got (laughs) Peter Marshall. How's it going, Peter? I'm well. How are you? I'm pretty good. Thanks for asking. So, uh, as you may notice right now, we don't have Chris. That's because he's on holiday. His birthday was yesterday. Happy birthday, Chris.
1: Happy birthday, Chris. Happy birthday, Chris.
0: And this is a very special birthday episode for you. You've been putting in so much effort into the podcast, I decided, like, hey, while you're out of town, why not have a special treat for you when you come back? Why not have all the
2: fun without you? Damn straight. Well, it's He's also in... the
0: fact that uh, we can never have an Australian on the show when Chris is here without <laughs> oh, someone staying up until like four in the morning, so that's, that's also the uh, other reason why we're doing this. Good, yeah, so uh, I, guess, I guess we should do some introductions right now, uh, just kind of ask both of you for your kind of geek cred before we move on to other parts of the episode. So, uh, Ian, uh, how'd you get your start with gaming? Oh, jeez, you're asking me to go way
2: back. Um, uh, I was 12, 13, uh, got into AD&D 2nd edition. Uh, A friend of mine at school, uh, I eventually fell in with Planescape, and from there found Vampire and the rest of the World of Darkness.
0: So that's, that's about six or seven years' worth of story you just got there. Well, you summarized it real quick. Which is your uh, favorite of the World of Darkness games? Oh wow, I don't think I could pick a favorite. Um, I I probably
2: know most about Mage: The Ascension, and then after that, Vampire: The Masquerade.
0: But I don't think there's any of them that I've found that I particularly don't like, really. Very good answer. Very good answer. Uh, so, Peter, how about you?
1: Um, well, I started gaming, oh, geez, probably about the age of eight when my brother decided to fire up the old um, West End Games Star Wars. Um, and then I oh, sort, of, you know, sort of carried on from there. I kind of fell in with the wrong crowd who introduced me to um, Vampire Second Ed at around sort of 14, 15. And it's kind of been cranking since then. And it's now 15-odd years later. And here we are, I have, oh Christ, I have a bookshelf full of and what is, it's a sea of red and green, and yeah, here we go, and a whole bunch of Trinity, a whole bunch of Fading Suns, all good stuff. It's, and I, I like what Ian said, I've pretty much never met a a World of Darkness game line that I didn't like. It's sort of been a question of, you know, too many game lines, too many products, and not enough time in the day.
0: Yeah, I gotcha. And uh, you mentioned uh, what we're going to be talking about tonight, which is, of course, Trinity. Absolutely. Yep. So we'll get to that a little bit later, but let's move on over to the mailbag segment. So uh, we got a whole bunch of uh, character sheets in the mail, actually, for a Google Hangout game that I ran. Uh, I did a quick uh, Vampire the Masquerade one-shot. So uh, that went very well, and hopefully uh, we'll have more such games in the future. So definitely uh, check out our Google Plus community, because that's where I announced the first game, and I'll continue to announce the ones in the future. All right? Sure, nice one. Yeah. And uh, we also got a mail from Malleus, who's a uh, longtime uh, friend of the show, and he sent us a cool new uh, Electronica song, because he liked our uh, Dark Ages material so much. So uh, definitely a good compliment to uh, uh, Adrian, Steve, and uh, Chris as well for the last episode. And, of course, Google Plus is pretty much rocking. We still have the most active uh, Onyx Path, White Wolf community discussion going on. So, uh, definitely really happy with that, really proud of it. Uh, Ian, do you guys think that uh, you're going to have, like, an official Onyx Path Google community in the future? Or You know, I'm not sure because almost as soon as communities
2: were available, a good dozen RPG communities popped up, including one labeled White Wolf Onyx Path and... There's just so much stuff going on in all of these communities. I don't know what the point would be of us trying to stop that and, I, you know, instead of our own.
1: But...
0: <clears throat> <laughs> no, we we have no official community at the moment.
1: Oh, okay, sure.
0: Gotcha, yeah. But you do have an official uh, forum on your website. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. Which is going to be a great place to go and discuss the Trinity game line that's uh, getting uh, started in the uh, future. Yes, yeah. Is. All right, awesome. The last bit of uh, Darker Days kind of news is that the uh, Wadcast episode number zero is out. Um, it's kind of a proof of concept, I'd say, as opposed to uh, like a full finished product. But we'll put a link in the show notes and uh, hopefully the actual true real episode one will be coming out next week. So I don't know if you guys check that out, but uh, we not didn't really discuss that. anything new or innovative or interesting. I kind haven't of had a chance up. to watch that, my friend. Ah, don't worry about it. Well, to be honest, there's not a lot of information about the MMO available yet, so... Good stuff. And uh, I think with that, let's move on over to White Wolf News. The Mummy Kickstarter just rocked the house. Okay. Definitely a lot of awesome stretch goals with that, and I'm very happy that I uh, supported it. And uh, Mm. the price, you know, when you when you take into consideration all those like extra PDFs that you get, totally worth it. Totally
1: worth it. Very good deal. Absolutely. What was the what was the final total in the end there, Mike? Um, let me quickly bring that up.
2: One hundred four thousand
1: eight hundred thirty-one dollars. Hot damn.
0: Good thing Ian was more on the ball than I was. <laughs> well, I have a lot of this stuff in my quick links. Good man. Good man. All right. Hopefully, Hunters Hunted 2 will be able to come close to that uh, with its epic return of the... Uh, it was originally... A, it was a 1992 source book, if I remember correctly, written by Bill Bridges. 92, 1993
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: And uh, the other cool thing about this Kickstarter is that uh, 99% of the book's text is actually going to be available for your preview... Uh, before, it's already available, we'll put a link in the show notes, but you can definitely check it out before you uh, kick in on the Kickstarter.
2: It is in fact oh, available right, right now, uh, if you head to um, <laughs> whitewolfblogs.com slash vampire, uh, there should be a link to the, the document containing
0: the draft if people would like to see it. And the other big news is that the Midwinter LARP convention is currently ongoing, and uh, Ian, I saw you uh, put in our show notes some uh, one of the cool things that was just announced, so do you want to talk about yeah. that? I can go into that right
2: now. Uh, this came as a surprise to me because they don't discuss this stuff with us either. The, um, By Night Studios has announced they have the license from CCP to produce Mind's Eye Theater products. So, people have been asking Onyx Path, what are you going to do about Mind's Eye Theater? And we had to say, we don't have the license. We don't know what's going on with that. That's up to CCP. Well, well now CCP has given the license to ByNight Studios. Uh, By Night Studios is... Uh Jason Carl, who wrote a bunch of Minds eye theater books uh for uh Laws of the Night, both editions of Laws of the Night, uh both editions of the Dark Ages setting, so that's uh the Long Night and Blood and Fire, I think it was called, and a few other supplements uh Shane de was uh he wrote with uh Jason on Laws of Elysium and he was the Camarilla fan club director for a while. And I apologize if I'm getting this horribly, horribly wrong, you guys. This is just what I did in, like, quick few minutes of research. <laughs> uh, so he was the fan cl- Camarilla fan club director for a while and then transitioned to uh, White Wolf community director. So uh, anyone who's been to a convention in, like, the last five years, you've probably met Shane. Uh, and uh, Rick is Rick Connolly, who was uh, he was the fan club director of the Camarilla slash Mind's Eye Society. He might still be. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not a member. But uh, uh, Alyssa Alighieri, she worked for Machinima. She was um, she was a big fan and got pulled along to the Grand Masquerade because she was a big fan. And as a result of that, she got in contact with a lot of the people on our side, like Shane. And uh, she's since been more and more involved in the production. So now she's on the inside, and she's super excited. Uh, like, she's got a bruja tattoo, her
1: License Whoa. plate
2: says Bruja. You know, she, she's a big fan. Nice. Uh, and uh, she's she's uh, she works in social media, so that's what her focus is right now. Uh, also, Bob, who is uh, deputy city attorney, I think, for New Orleans. So he is also a big fan, but he's their lawyer, so he's keeping all of the paperwork intact for them. So that's those are the minds behind. Uh, the by night society or studios who are currently in charge of mind's eye theater.
1: Bam. So, wow.
0: There you have it. Very good stuff. Uh, I don't think there's been anything new for uh, the LARP community uh, with official content since I think, uh, I think that SAS uh, city in the sand, was it uh, for a vampire? The yes,
2: that was a few years ago. Uh, the, the last major release aside from that was the awakening rulebook, I think, and that has to go back to 2007, probably.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's correct. So uh, it's good to see new stuff coming out for Definitely. for the LARPers. Another very important piece of news, uh, well, I don't know if it's really important, but it's very interesting, is uh, Dave Brookshaw revealed on RPG.net um, that... While he mentioned that he was redoing the uh, spirit and ghost rules for the God Machine Chronicles when he was last on Darker Days Radio, he forgot to mention conveniently that he was also working on the angel rules, which will uh, be tying into uh, Demon the Triple Question Mark.
1: Did he elaborate any on, on exactly what those angel rules were? As in, are we talking angels as PCs, or you know, we're talking angels as you know, monsters or whatnot?
0: I think they're probably just going to be uh, more antagonists, similar to how uh, spirits and uh, and ghosts currently are in the rules. My good. Yep. And uh, uh, we also have to bring up that the uh, the gentleman gamer beat us to it again and again. Actually, another again I, I noticed earlier today. So uh, he's got a uh, he's got an interview with uh, Mark Rhine Hagen, of course. Uh, he's got an interview with C. A. Suleiman uh, regarding uh, Mummy: The Curse, and uh, he also has a wraith game with the eponymous creator of of Vampire the Masquerade. So, um, awesome, good stuff. Uh, I'm definitely a big fan of the Gentleman Gamer, and I'll be sure to put some links into the show notes so you can check out his stuff. Any other comments on uh, White Wolf News or anything like that?
1: And you might be able to tell us this. Do we know when the um, Hunters Hunted 2 Kickstarter is going to fire up?
2: It should be soon. Uh, there are a lot of moving parts taken into account, like something a lot of people don't know is that when we prepare Kickstarter... Kickstarter themselves have to approve of it, ah. so while we can say we want to have this up this week, that might not be necessarily feasible. Rich wanted it up this past week, but we couldn't uh, so it is it's as far as our end goes, it's ready to go, so we're just sort of waiting for all the pieces to fall into place. so fingers Ooh. crossed next week
1: my, my wallet cringes in anticipation, <laughs> and so it should. <coughs>
0: Very good, and with that, let's move on over to the secret frequency. The stairs. I want Tonight, we explore strange signals discovered on, over shortwave radio, a rather apt topic for the secret frequency. Uh, and this secret frequency suggestion actually came from David way back in the WGPRN forums. So, in most industrialized nations, uh, all radio broadcasts need to be registered. For example, with the FCC in uh, the United States. This ensures that uh, they do not overlap or interfere with each other. Uh, of course, shortwave radio enthusiasts have actually found and documented many unregistered signals, uh, discovering pirate broadcasts, covert number stations, and radio anomalies. Radio enthusiasts in the United Kingdom have been documenting a number of odd signals originating in Russia. Uh, the first one of note uh, is UVB-76, and it appears to be uh, broadcast from a transmitter in Povario, Russia. Here, let's have a listen. it that uh, this is actually a communications hub uh, for the Moscow military district, but uh, surely the Russian military wouldn't keep broadcasting if uh, even amateurs in the UK could listen in. Receivers uh, set to this frequency almost always pick up uh, the buzzer noise, but uh, it's sometimes there's actually voices and data that can be picked up, uh, as well as heard. So the next signal of course, it has an Enigma designation of s 32 It's another Russian signal called the squeaky wheel. Uh, much less is known about this signal, but it uh, has frequency which is typically 3828 uh, kHz by night, but it actually changes to 5473 kHz in the day. Another uh, signal marker is the PIP which has an enigma designation of S-30, and it originates, apparently, from the Rostov-Volgograd area. So... uh, This signal is actually notable because uh, it cannot be clearly received anywhere in the world. There's always some kind of a background noise. Uh, that can be caused by intermediate obstacles, uh, conflicting radio traffic, or uh, perhaps jamming. However, most modern radio jamming actually occurs in the Middle East, so what is Russia trying to hide? And that brings us nicely to the world of darkness. Shortwave radio is a useful tool for uh, supernatural creatures. Uh, Even in the digital age, we know that espionage and covert operations use radio extensively, so we have to assume that vampires especially would want to do the same. So in a global conspiracy uh, like that of Vampire the Masquerade, uh, stuff like number stations, uh, transmitters, and signals from which spies can report in through code, uh, they're pretty crucial to the actions of archons, for example, communicating whilst they're in Sabbat territory. Hunters as well, from any variety of uh, hunter brands, uh, they're going to find radio quite useful in regions without reliable cell phone service. Um, Africa especially... Uh, It's known that uh, radio and uh, SMS, like text messaging, are a much better communication choice, much more reliable. These radio oddities could also be perhaps a Promethean trying to communicate with the outside world, uh, while segregating himself in his wasteland effect. So, for example, that pip uh, in particular seems to be a good one. What if the creator's disquiet garbles the radio signal? And of course, uh, radio does not need to come from the mortal realm. It's possible that uh, we could have radio signals leaking in from uh, some place across the gauntlet, or perhaps the uh, changeling's hedge. There's also, of course, been uh, a lot of movies uh, and books which mention uh, signals coming in from the lands of the dead, which is another option for your game. So uh, we're joined by two distinguished guests tonight. So uh, Ian and Peter, what do you think? How could you use these radio signals in your game?
2: Well, we have Orpheus, which, uh, in the form of radio-free death, already has uh, a literal radio signal from the other side. Uh, Radio-free death broadcasts every night at midnight and can often be heard only by those who are touched by death, uh, either through the use of pigment or if they're one of Orpheus' group's projectors. Uh, Perhaps this signal is uh, some sort of emergency signal from Radio Free Death trying to get out. Perhaps it's uh, someone trying to interfere with Radio Free Death. Uh, perhaps uh, in of the Apocalypse this could be a broadcast from uh, the Weaver or one of the Weaver's servants uh, either as a form of remote control over other servants, broadcasting instructions perhaps, or even uh, a method of subtly brainwashing uh, humans by uh, by creating a, a subcarrier wave on a standard radio broadcast, so you're listening to music while this subcarrier is affecting you. Uh, it could be a New World Order plot to indoctrinate, uh, for many of the same reasons, same functionality, or perhaps it's a signal from Autochthonia, uh, the Iteration X machine realm, uh, which is being corrupted by the Avatar Storm and from the machine god move to the god machine of the new world darkness yep. which historically communicates through radio
0: carrier waves what is it trying to say who is it trying to contact indeed yes i was thinking uh, quite a bit about uh, the god machine chronicles and also the uh technostic espionage which is going to be coming out with uh, Demon the triple question mark so that's definitely something i could tie into if we only knew more about it peter you got any uh got any ideas
1: um well this sort of uh, I, I had plenty of ideas and ian basically covered all of them <laughs> um but what i what i what i like about if, if we're going to talk about how you would actually use that in your game um what i think it's it's really good honeypot if you know what i mean it's this mysterious signal which is being broadcast and so the player characters will of course be off to investigate and you know you can link that into both classic and old um both classic and new world of darkness you've got i I think the most easiest link there would of course be you know into hunter so you've got the you know the messengers may you know uh may (coughs) link into that particular signal to go and investigate what's going on here who's up to, you know, some somebody's up to no good. And I think it, yeah, it links really, really, really well with the God Machine. Because you've got, you know, the uh, the Apollo astronauts went and brought something back. And did that wake something up that was dormant in Russia? Do the Russians have access to some fragment or some element of, of the God Machine? So that could work quite well.
0: Indeed, another option is that the... Um... Well, you simply have to think about uh, why these signals keep going on. Uh, Why isn't they just haven't been turned off if they're uh, kind of gunking up the airwaves? Perhaps the Russians can't for some reason, which is a great place for characters to come in uh, and try to solve something, whether it be uh, in a World of Darkness game or maybe an Aberrant game. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And that's just about it for the secret frequency. So uh, with that, let's move on over to our... Uh, main segment, a topic of highbrow storytelling, checking out the Trinity Universe. Topics of highbrow storytelling. All right, guys. Um, So I don't really know that much about the Trinity Universe, so I'm going to leave it to our two uh, esteemed guests tonight to kind of discuss how the game uh, originated, how it developed, and uh, what kind of cool things there are about the setting uh, splats and and powers as well. With that I'll uh, just pass it off to you two. Did you want to get started with uh, Exile?
1: Yeah, let's 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 talk a little bit about Exile. So so Mike, have you heard of Exile before?
0: I have. Uh, it was this game that Mark Rhinehagen was working on just before mm-hmm. he left White Wolf.
1: It was, yeah. Um, there are some, I think at best there was maybe two or three playtest documents that were out in the wild. Um, I know there's PDFs, I think they exist. Um, so yeah, so originally there was going to be Exile, which was Mark Reinhagen's you know, sci-fi game. And then he left, he left White Wolf taking the rights to Exile with him. I think it was then... Folded into uh, a game that he produced, which I think, which I, to the best of my knowledge, was in uh, was uh, a tabletop miniature game, or sort of a tabletop action figure game, which I think then sort of folded quite quickly.
2: Yep, uh, I believe uh, ZG or ZG uh, miniatures. Uh, it was sort of a, a collectible miniatures game uh, mm. that was set in the Exile universe.
1: Yeah. To the best of my knowledge, then White Wolf sort of um, had a fair amount of time and resources allocated towards doing a sci-fi game, but then the sci-fi game, which they intended to do, of course, disappeared, so th- so the question was then, well, we need to come up with a sci-fi game, and I think thus uh, the Trinity Continuum was born in its original form, which was Aeon. That's right. Hey. Uh- yep. Uh at
2: that point uh there had been advertisements in various uh trade magazines and backs of books saying something like, uh in nineteen ninety seven White Wolf takes you to the stars. So yeah. nothing definitive, but now they had to follow through.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh,
2: so at that point Aeon was first released, uh which uh the name was quickly changed to Trinity for legal reasons. The concept of the game is it's 2120. Uh, it's been about 60 years since the end of a devastating war with superhumans who absolutely de- like, destroyed the world just about. And uh, the uh, they, they left under threat, and they have now decided to return. They're barely recognizable as humans anymore. They're called aberrants. They're horribly mutated, incredibly powerful, and the only people who can stand up against them are Scions. Uh, There are eight different psi orders who have uh, a Prometheus chamber. Uh, If you have someone who has latent psi abilities, you can dunk them in a Prometheus chamber and they'll come out as one of the eight varieties of Scion. So they can wield their psionic powers like cryokinesis, or they can they can like shape change their own bodies, uh, or they can shoot fire. They can control electricity. You can shoot lasers out of your fingers. You can heal. You can do all
0: like all all the standard psionic powers. You can you can work out. Mm-hmm. Interesting. One curious aspect about the Trinity Universe is that it kind of goes backwards. It starts off with the uh, yeah. the grand yeah. sci-fi setting at first, and then you get to learn more about the history as the game lines go back. So uh, when you guys first picked up Trinity, how did you kind of feel about the, the setting? And were you really curious about what happened before? And was there enough detail to, uh, to whet your appetite? Or did you really like have to check out those uh, other games when they came out?
2: Well, the, uh, the front of Trinity had a timeline section in it, which sort of gave a rough indication that um, the aberrants might not have been exactly what they seemed that they might have once been Earth's heroes which was really interesting but they didn't actually touch on that at all. Uh, The back of the Trinity core book said Aberrant coming in 1999 and most people thought that would be sort of a supplement to Trinity uh, when in fact it was a full game line in and of itself so having that come out and reading through it and seeing how completely different it was to Trinity was really interesting
1: yeah, that was a that was a shock to me. I was I remember at the time I was thinking, oh cool, you get to play the aberrants, you know, you're, you're these sort of crazy mutants from beyond the stars, and then it comes out and it's a prequel game, and you're playing superheroes.
2: You're playing. People with superpowers, super wow, okay, okay. All right, superhero. Superhero yes, is it's, a registered it's... trademark of Marvel and DC. <laughs>
1: yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. And yeah, I mean, we'll 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 swing it back. Talk a little bit more about Trinity, but um, you're playing okay. Beings with su- beings with superpowers. How's that sound? As opposed to you know the sort of superheroes, and yeah, it's um, you've so it's then about what then happens that you've now got people who can. Do all these amazing things, how did that directly affect the world? They didn't just sort of spend their time beating each other up and sort of maintaining the current status quo. They got their hands dirty and, you know, changed the world. The game is then about what you know, how the rest of the how the rest of us try and keep up, how the rest of us try and respond to this to those changes. And I mean the ultimate question which is which you already know from Trinity is ultimately not good. You know, it's uh, and so Aberrant is about this sort of you know, golden age of 10, 20, 30 years after, after, um, the aberrants are first manifested when things are great, they're cleaning up industrial accidents. They're, uh, terraforming Ethiopia. So it's, it's now the most fertile, um, cr- uh, ground in the land. But then over time, you know, things slowly start happening and you end up with the war.
0: And then finally, just to, uh, kind of complete the Trinity and, and just kind of give, a Broad overview of the uh, three games. What what exactly is adventure? Exclamation point! Adventure
2: <laughs> is a fantastic game of pulp action set in the 1920s. You're, you've got nothing but your own two fists. Tales of daring do. <laughs> the, I love the way the system is set up because right out of the gate, as a starting character, you can literally be the best Nuts. person in the world or something. <laughs> So, you can be the world's best sharpshooter, you can be, like, the man of iron, like, not like Iron Man, but the, the big beefy guy that, you know, it seems bullets bounce mm-hmm. off of you, you just shrug everything off. You, you're in a plane crash, and everyone thinks you're dead, but then two weeks later, you <laughs> nice, come back nice. smoking. And
0: so how does adventure tie into uh, <laughs> the rest of the Trinity Universe? Uh,
2: adventure gets its start uh, when a... Sir Dr. Calvin Hammersmith uh, invites a few select individuals to witness uh, a fantastic new engine he's created which draws energy out of nothing, out of, nothing, uh, out of the, the universe itself, the fabric of space-time, and he turns it on and it explodes. And so various individuals around the world sort of get imbued with what they call Z-rays, uh, some of them become mesmerists, which are essentially a, a precursor to trinity's scions. Some of them become stalwarts, which are a precursor to the, the later novas and aberrants. And the last ones become daredevils, which are sort of more your Indiana Jones type, who uh, have every appearance of just being particularly skilled or lucky, rather than having any obvious powers.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I find the uh, the the trinity concept. Uh... It kind of, kind of mirrors how comic books went. So, you know, they start out with that pulpy kind of action, uh, and then you moved on to the superhero, and then finally, it kind of moved those superheroes into space, um, which we, you can see with like, you can see that kind of progression with like Marvel and DC as they started to come out with these these superheroes like the Green Lantern, or they had the Secret Wars in Marvel, and that kind of thing. So, I've always found that a little curious, and uh, I was kind of wondering if maybe you two saw something similar or. Um, am I just completely way off? Sort of. I would look at it yeah. the other way around
2: because modern superheroes have their origins with a lot of Victorian and pulp characters. So uh, the Hulk was directly from uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Mm-hmm. Hyde, for example. So many of, of the, the standard popular, uh, like Batman, mm-hmm. he comes from the Shadow. So So many superheroes have their origin in Victorian literature or or pulp uh, fiction from the the era. So, we're sort of not so much exploring superheroes, but exploring more pulp, I guess, if you will. Because Trinity is less science fiction and more space opera. So, more like um, the, the best of Star Trek, when they're not talking about like, okay, I'm going to, like, reconfigure the Heisenberg compensator to reroute power for <laughs> the EPS. None of that. Like, we have a ship. How do we solve this problem?
0: Like, oh, there's an alien pretending to be a god. What does this mean? You know, all of those great stories that are about people mm-hmm. and about things. Yeah, I gotcha. So, the evolution of the pulp character. Yeah, I definitely concur with that. That's pretty cool. Good, good. So, I guess that covers kind of just the, the overall concept of uh, the Trinity uh, universe uh, as it was originally presented. Uh, would you two like to kind of talk about starting with trinity slash uh eon just like the setting and like what kind of characters you're going to be playing uh just to give a bit more detail for people that might not be as familiar with them i'll be talking for a few minutes i'll pass this one over to peter <laughs>
1: Okay, sure. Um, well, I suppose the easiest, the, the, the phrase which I sort of came up with for, you know, selling people initially on Trinity is it's Mass Effect the RPG long before we had Mass Effect. So you've got sort of, you know, that space, or you can have that space-hopping sort of um, soldiers running around with the sort of slightly fantastical powers that you could have in the Mass Effect game.
2: Right, exactly. Uh, Mass yeah. Effect Biotics their, their side abilities mm. Like, if I was going to pick any RPG to, to play Mass Effect with, it would be Trinity, because it just... Yeah. Concept-wise, it just works so well.
1: Yeah, I'd put Trinity down for probably about eight or nine years, and I think I'd just finished Mass Effect 2, and I was thinking, God, this would be a great role-playing game. And then I sort of tweaked, hang on a second, it already is. <laughs> and it's got its own sort of IP. And then I went, oh, hang on. Let's have a look. Oh wow! It's, let's read through the Trinity books again, and yeah, I went. I I'd totally forgotten just how great this game was.
2: I really love it. Uh, one of the the great mm. things about it is sort of any concept within sort of the science fiction genre um, is represented uh, in the setting. So if you want your sort of Mad Max uh, adventures through like uh, almost a post-apocalyptic wasteland that Europe Europe has been utterly destroyed and is only just starting to rebuild if you want uh, glorious archaeologies uh, in a you know fascist utopia you know that's that's uh, the Federated States of America uh, which it, it gets like almost um, almost like Shadowrun, run that sort of cyberpunky sort of feel to it um, then you have uh, places like Australia Australia is where Australia is almost <laughs> like the new USA like it's it's where all the immigrants go it's where like society really works it's it's like the new bastion of freedom for the world then you have uh, Olympus station on on Luna which is you know there's your space station adventures uh, then you can hop on a jump ship and you know, travel to far-off worlds. So you can do Star Trek or Mass Effect or anything else you want to do. So mm. really any, any real science fiction sort of setting
0: you can think of is already represented within hmm. Trinity. Very good. And there's even uh, there's space aliens too, aren't there? Yes, there are. <laughs> there are several distinct races, there's uh, the
2: chromatics, who are sort of... Uh, they're, they're the size of large dogs, they're shaped kinda of like frogs and they communicate using light which means they can uh... they have the ability to harness uh, photokinesis so they can shoot lasers in combat if they want from their bodies uh... then there's the uh... the kin that's uh, q-i-n who are they appear to be human but those are more human suits. They're actually about two foot long slugs that fit inside the bodies and operate them like, like we would jumping in a mech. Uh, then there's uh, the Coalition, who are sort of mysterious and they, they live on one giant generational ship which is slowly approaching Earth and There is what appear to be about a dozen different species, but they may all actually be the same species, just sort of specialized to certain tasks.
0: Hmm. Very interesting. But uh, those aren't really all that critical to the game. Like, it's very easy for people that want to just focus on humans to focus on them.
2: No, if if you're playing a game on Earth, you don't need to involve them at all.
1: Yeah. And I guess um, one of the elements that I I always really loved about it, and I think it was, it was I guess so far as to say it, it was groundbreaking, particularly at the time, was it was specifically not sort of American-centric. It was specifically not sort of the idea that, you know, America becomes this massive sort of, you know, becomes the dominant power in the world and then takes that out to space. You didn't sort of have united federation of planets, which was more or less... Space America. Mm-hmm. Um, this was it, well, it, this was sort of uh, you know a bunch of different cultures which you often don't see in role playing games, or um, in, oh sorry, there was, was a bunch of different um, cultures going off and sort of having their moment to shine, and you know, and America, you know, in this one, sort of you know, it's become fascist, it's become uh, very isolationist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you've got, oh, um, so you've got Africans, you've got South Americans, not. they're big, huge deals in sort of the global economy in the, well, not that they're not now, but, you know, you've got, um, you know, they're now massive centres of technology, massive centres of industry. So I thought that was that was really, really great.
2: Yeah, uh, the, I think, like, the, the biggest success stories uh, yeah. in, in Trinity are, uh, probably Australia, China, and Brazil, mm. which you don't see very often.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. interesting, Peter. It says here that you actually met up with the uh, gentleman that wrote the Australia portion of uh, one of the source books. So could you give some insight about that?
1: Yeah, yeah, I met him. I met him briefly. His name's Scott Simo. I met him uh, sort of briefly at a party. It was totally one of those out of the blue things. I just, I just have to. We, we mentioned role playing games. And as mentioned, I was into them. He was into them. He said, yeah, in actual fact, I wrote I wrote one. And I was like, oh, really? Which? And he's like, oh, the trendy source book. And I'm like... That's, that's on my wall, I've, that's, that's on my shelf I've read that, oh my god so I had my sort of little fanboy moment and yeah, we spoke a little bit about it and apparently, and I think Ian you can feel free to back this one up if, you, if you've heard anything else apparently they, they had a manuscript which was written by a non-Australian and oh boy did it show it was, I think the original title for the book was Thunder from Down Under
2: <laughs> I hadn't heard that uh,
1: that's, that's that's what he told me, and so he, so he sort of looked at it and went, you kind of need to, an Australian voice on this, guys.
2: I'm not sure I believe that about the title, but I will buy that the, the content was probably pretty lacking.
1: Okay. That's what I was... That, uh, that, that's what I was told. And so he, so he sort of, you know, gave it and, and gave that sort of a localized spin to it. I'm not, I'm not sure whether or not that happened with uh, the other content books. As I said, um, I'm a, I, am, I am an Australian, so to me it read like, you know, it, it read like, it read as if someone you know, who, who lived here you know, knew what they were talking about. So I, I would assume that, that they did something similar with each of the other sort of um, regionalized black books.
2: I don't know. Uh, I'd have to check, <laughs> but but typically, that's what uh, White Wolf uh, tries to do, is if we get yeah, someone totally. writing a book, we try to get someone who actually knows what they're talking about. Uh, yeah. We haven't always uh, had success stories with that in the past. World of Darkest Gypsies!
1: No <laughs> yeah. comment. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, you, that one, It's that is sort of the stick you know the, 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 that gets used to bait you guys with, but You guys certainly tried, and I mean, look, even with World of Darkness second air, that's got a that's got a really nice Australia section written by Richard Watts, written by um, a local Melbourne guy. And so I know, yeah, you've had your successes and failures, but I I would argue that the successes really do out 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 outweigh the failures, you know. So Rage Across Australia, and you know, Gypsies, notwithstanding, you mean you guys put in the effort where you know where it needed to be, and there are some much worse examples floating out there. Trust me.
2: This is true. I've, uh, I've read some pretty awful things about Canada in some RPG source books.
1: <laughs>
2: oh, uh, we skipped talking about Trinity Battleground, which is an interesting footnote in uh, White Wolf history. Trinity Battleground was uh, a miniatures game set in the Trinity universe. Uh, it is, I believe, White Wolf's only miniatures game. And it used sort of a miniatures adaption of the Storyteller rule set. So people would have five stats, which are your strength, dexterity, and stamina, and then just sort of mental and social. So the, the mental and social categories just sort of got collapsed. So it would be possible for you to take your character from the Trinity RPG, convert them into battleground statistics to, to play your miniatures, and vice versa.
0: Well, that's pretty cool to know about. Uh, I don't think... Did they ever release all that much beyond just the the basic box set for Trinity Battleground?
2: It only was published for, I think, about six months. There were a few blister packs for miniatures released uh, featuring various legionnaires and various aberrants to fight, and some extra expansions were planned, but ultimately never released. The uh, Trinity Battleground Player's Guide was put up for free on the White Wolf website, sort of as a just because they, they couldn't work on any of the the things they planned on doing so they put a bunch of them in there and just stuck them up for free mm.
0: yeah I
1: think I think I think battleground I mean I, I never got a chance to play it I think battleground was a noble attempt but I just I don't quite think it found its audience I think at the time everybody was um, you know still still sort of uh, uh, battling away with 40k and I, I don't quite think that well I don't quite think that um, there was a hell of a lot of crossover at the time between sort of White Wolf gamers and um, tabletop war gamers?
2: Well, I think a lot of the issue at the time uh, could have been because Trinity had just come out and a lot of people refused to buy it because they thought the storytelling system could only do World of Darkness. Because oh, yeah. White Wolf had never done anything else before. People disparaged Trinity as being vampires in space. So people if people didn't want to buy trinity they certainly wouldn't want to buy a miniatures game based on trinity which is just way yeah, yeah.
0: Hmm. that's unfortunate i think it was also competing with third edition 40k i think that came out about the same time so that would be a uh it'd be a pretty tough thing to go up against
1: Ooh yeah
0: all right good stuff um is there anything else you want to discuss regarding trinity
1: we can talk a little bit about system absolutely yeah, um, I mean, because one of the things which I've which I noted is that um, it's as I said, so it's revised a storyteller system. Um, so if you if you want to sort of fuse it with the idea of of how can this you know be used in your um, world of darkness um, games, system's exactly the same, and I would argue the power level is probably kind of similar to uh, vampires, maybe a little bit more powerful. Um, so there's a whole bunch of things which if which can port over. To World of, to classic World of Darkness, with very very little with um with very very little tweaking, like um the powers I think go in a very very similar progression to disciplines. So if you really want to um, if you really want to give uh, certain powers to your vampires, you can do that. One uh, when, uh, when we played it, we had a car had to play a play character who really wanted to play a uh, a Tremere who had you know cold powers who had you know. Uh, sort of cryo powers and we went okay so we pulled out trinity we found the rules for cryokinesis and pretty much just sort of went, cut paste and worked really really well
0: fair enough that's good to know yeah so it pretty much uses the same system so yeah uh thaumaturgy is a very good uh, example are there any any powers that can be replaced Maybe, like, I think, uh, I think, Peter, you mentioned, like, there's this one power that was, like, way better than Potence, for example.
1: That's an Aberrant power. Um, mm-hmm. It's way better than Potence, but it's cranked up to 11. So, we can, we'll talk a little bit about that when, we, when we're talking about Aberrant. But, the, yeah, the way Mega, mega Attributes work... So if you're, if you're building your character and rather than sort of giving him sort of cool powers, you just want him to be extremely strong or extremely tough or extremely fast, you give them uh, mega attributes. So that's sort of, that's that's dots past five. And I think the power scale goes to something like, you know, once you've got six or seven you are, I think you're, you're throwing tanks and battleships and that sort of thing. Isn't that right, Ian? Close
2: enough. Um, so like you could <laughs> So when you see the Hulk, for example, throwing a tank, he's probably using mega strength. Or um, you know, Superman lifting up an entire airplane or a building—that's that's an application of mega strength. So you can have uh, a mega speed application of uh, mega dexterity. Uh, yeah, pretty much all the standard attributes have mega equivalents and various offshoots of that. <laughs>
1: So I think it was, it was if, I mean, at, if bef- if you wanted to use it, I think, at the time before White Wolf had published the Gehenna books where they had, you know, the Antiluvians rock up, here's your here's your ten dots, or if you wanted to maybe remove, if you wanted to maybe um, use alternate, um, alternate rules for um, when Elders and Methuselah show up, you could probably port over some of Aberrant's uh, mega attributes. Um, in the end, you, you'd end up rolling probably something in the realm of... Oh, God. For maybe 15, so 25 dice. So, yeah, you, it's... I mean, the end result will still be the same. You know, PCs go up against these guys. They're a fine red mist.
0: Essentially, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. So let's talk about Aberrant. Um <clears throat> What what exactly is the setting like at this point? Uh... It's it tries to take a look at what what would the world actually
2: look like if all of these people with superpowers suddenly showed up. So there are, um, for example, there's the XWF, the Extreme Warfare Federation. It's a, refl- a wrestling federation specifically for novas, because normal people beating the crap out of each other doesn't interest anyone anymore uh the E entertainment channel has its own spin-off called N which is specifically for Nova related news. People with mega charisma become like popular uh like pop singers. Um, so the the idea that anyone with superpowers becomes either a hero or a villain that's just not true. People just do all sorts of crap with their abilities. And uh Obviously, the reaction isn't necessarily all that great, either. There are various factions of people who think that novas are all demons and they should all die, uh, or those that revere them as gods, so they must be worshipped, that sort of thing. And there are your factions of novas who more or less believe the same thing with uh, the, one of the core uh, groups is Project Utopia, which they're sort of the closest thing uh, the setting has to uh, an X-Men or a Justice League, but even the leader of them, he he more gears his appearances based on how favorable how favorable it will look to the press more than what's actually good. So even then, it's not exactly you know black and white. There are shades of gray. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you've got you've got. um, I suppose there's a little bit of an equivalent with um, there's a little bit of an equivalent going on with some of the stuff which was going on in the Marvel universe. So you sort of got your project if you want to. So you sort of got your project Utopia, who are I suppose who are you know we've got these powers. We're going to use them for the greater good. And then on the flip coin of that, you've got the Terragen, who I suppose are sort of, if you say to a layman, they're a little bit like the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. They've sort of got this belief that we've, we've evolved, we're beyond humanity, and we should, we, should be, we should almost be a law unto ourselves and, you know, humans should more or less stay out of our way. And a lot of, I suppose, the default tension you get in the game is when Project Utopia and the Terragen sort of butt heads.
0: You guys kind of discussed like the uh, the socio political differences that occur in the Trinity setting. So, how are things different with like nations and and that sort of thing uh, in in uh, Aberrant? Well, Averant uh, is it it was released in 1999, but it was
2: set in 2008. So, we're already past the Averant setting.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: uh, although at the time it was supposed to be 10 years in the future. Yeah. So there isn't a lot of difference in what's going on. It, it's more like the United States is still the United States. Europe is still Europe. Uh, uh, there, there are a few minor differences, mostly. I um,
1: think Castro is out of power, which yeah, still hasn't happened yet.
2: I think so. Uh, <laughs> they, Avant, did successfully predict that the new, uh, the new pope would be named Benedict. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Uh, But by and large, society is the same, it's just a few differences introduced due to novas. So, for example, uh, some super-intelligent novas have, uh, they're finally starting to to get fusion running. There are uh, flying cars that have started to be introduced to police forces. Just a a few minor things like that. Mm -hmm.
1: So, yeah, one of the one of the things you have is um, you've got a bunch of novas who, you know, are, they've got mega intelligence and they're potentially sort of, you know, producing their own sort of super devices. And so, you know, one and so Project Utopia's sort of main role or one of its main roles is to try and, you know, uh, keep a control on the various different technological um, uh, devices which are popping up, you know, um, into sort of the mainstream. So you're all of a sudden you've got, Weaponry system, which nobody else can match. So, Project Utopia has so spent a lot of time going right, clamp down on that, and that's
0: yeah. When did when did Novas start to appear exactly?
2: Uh, within this context of the setting, Novas started to appear in 1998 uh, during uh, what's called the the Galatea explosion. There was a space station which exploded, and then everyone started manifesting these abilities. So. The the general consensus was there was some sort of experiment they must have been running and radiation started blanketing the Earth, making people pop up with these weird powers. In actuality, uh, spoilers for anyone who hasn't read this 15-year-old game, uh, the uh, the leader of the Terrorism, uh, a, a very powerful Nova who has been around since the Adventure era, he started blanketing the Earth in quantum energies himself. And it's that which has caused the novas. In fact, one of the first novas to erupt happened to be on the space station, and it's his eruption which caused the station to explode.
0: Ah, interesting. Interesting. So anything else you guys want to discuss about Aberrant? Maybe uh, some anecdotes from your own adventures in the setting or anything like that?
1: Um, what should I say? Um the aberrant in its in its sort of current published form uh it's very very easy to break it like um if if you have a power gamer who knows exactly what he's doing as a starting character he can make something that's pretty much unkillable uh so that's uh, you could argue that's it's, that's the game's selling point or that's the game's flaw
2: there is a uh, a disparity in power but oh, oh god yeah uh, but just like comics, which we're trying to emulate, you've got your Superman on one end of the scale, or you know Galactus, and you've got you know, Spider-Man on the end, the other end of the scale. So we do want to allow for all of those possibilities to be played together, but the the books as they exist don't give a lot of support for how to handle that. So moving no, no. forward, entirely yeah, <laughs> moving...
1: up to the GM, yeah.
2: Yeah, moving forward, I want to have a lot more support for how to do that, rather than just saying you can't do it. Everyone has to be the same model. Because that's, yeah. to be
0: honest, that's not fun. I mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, gotcha. Now, that's a very good point. Uh, it's definitely something that White Wolf has run into with other games, I think, particularly Exalted. But uh, that means you definitely have a lot of people um, at your disposal that have experience with that sort of thing and that, that kind of balance, so it's good to know. Cool. So I guess we'll move on over to Adventure, which, um, Peter, you mentioned you don't have too much experience with, but uh, maybe you can uh, give us a bit of insight into that game. Uh, what would you like to know? Um, well, a little bit about the setting, I guess. Uh, there's only one book, correct? Yes. Uh, Adventure only received one
2: book. Uh, at that point, the, uh, the Trinity and Aberrant were both being canceled. So, Adventure almost wasn't going to get made, but it was Rich's baby, so he ran into... I forget whose office it was, but uh might have been uh, Steve Wick, uh, and basically ran into his office and said, we're making this game, and he said, okay. Uh, so, got one book, but it's a very complete book, like, unlike a lot of... like, a lot of games... The the core book feels like a good introduction, and you can play a a full game with it, but you sort of want to pick up everything else. Adventure feels like a complete book. The sort of... Yeah, general idea is just sort of to emulate pulp. Um, z rays, which have blanketed Earth, have caused a lot of weird stuff to pop up. It's sort of like um, manipulating probability in weird ways. So, for example... um, the, the lonely castle in the Carpathian Mountains, where nothing actually is, suddenly Zed Rays go by, and as a result, there is now a vampire that has been living there for centuries. So yesterday there was no vampire, now he's been living there for centuries. So you could do, um, like, he's not really a vampire, because within the context of the setting, there are no supernatural powers, but for all intents and purposes, he's a vampire. So you could do something like uh, the the mummy movie with Brandon Fraser. You could totally do that with adventure. the The swamps of Louisiana have been rumored to have dinosaur sightings. Uh, there is a Hollow Earth with people that live there, full of crystals imbued with Zed ray energy. It's, it's a great setting. There's
0: there's a lot of there's a lot of fun to be had. That's cool. Zeppelins. Does, and... does all that stuff disappear by the time you get to aberrant? Yes. Oh.
2: As the Z rays sort of stabilize and dissipate, all of the weirdness sort of settles down by about World War Two.
0: Hmm. That's that's pretty cool. Interesting. Interesting. Well, um, is that is that all we have to discuss about adventure? I mean, it seems like it's it's only one book, so there can't be uh, too many too many secrets that can be revealed on Dark Days Radio. But uh, if that's it, I think we can move on to just kind of discussing. Uh, what we might potentially see with uh, Trinity Continuum. Sure. Um, I can't reveal a lot yet, both because it's very, very early, so
2: anything I promised could change a week from now. Also, yeah. also I want to keep stuff, you know, a uh, little stuff b- behind just to keep everyone, you know, nicely
0: excited and surprised when the time comes. Yeah. Yeah, Ian, Ian, this isn't going to be like over the summer when you popped into a hangout and then everyone just started (laughs) grilling you for information. (laughs) No, I I know. Let's see, some things I'd like to do. Uh, These sort of
2: themes of the three game lines. Uh, For Trinity, it was unity. For Aberrant, it was uh, sacrifice. And for adventure, it was hope. I'd like to sort of dig down and reinforce those themes where they might not have been too evident originally. Uh, so that's, that's sort of concrete and vague, if, if, like, (laughs) you guys in the future who are looking back at this, you'll see what I'm talking about once the book comes out.
1: (laughs) Okay, cool. Well, one of of the questions I, I sort of had, I wanted to ask, and, um, this may get a, this, this, this may get a, we don't know yet, but, um, so what, one of the things that does kind of date Trinity a little bit is it's very much in the... It's very much in line with how White Wolf used to make games in that it's got a great big massive meta plot, and you know it's constantly sort of it's constantly evolving. And I think I think it's sorry, it's probably if it's just as or it was just as if not more meta plot driven than the original World of Darkness. So and now you've got well, um, new World of Darkness where it's more of a toolbox approach. Mm-hmm. where you can sort of drop elements in and the metaplot kind of isn't there and it's only now with God Machine and um, with Blood and Smoke that you can sort of add in a- a metaplot elements. Is Are we going to see something similar to that with this new iteration of Trinity?
2: What we're sort of thinking of doing, and again this could change, is okay. uh, sort of no metaplot within a given line. So, the new Aeon, which is the same as Trinity before, uh, Aeon, once you get Aeon, Aeon will have no mana plot. But in the grander scheme of things, you can look at Aeon Mm -hmm. as a potential future for the Aberrant setting. It doesn't have to be, but by default, it is. So the timeline (laughs) will not advance in Trinity, but
1: yeah, you get the idea. Okay. Um can you can you talk at all about what's you um about what the plan is in terms of releases? Are you going to be doing are you gonna start with a Trinity book and then later on do an aberrant book and then an adventure book or That's
2: that's our plan. We're going to follow the original release order for the, the three main game lines. Hmm. Uh but one thing I spoiled uh the other day on um the Onyx Path website is we're not limiting ourselves to those three game lines. Those will be the like the sort of the the focal points. The the equivalent of sort of vampire, werewolf and mage are the, the main game lines for the world of darkness, but we're also going to have these additional sort of focal, uh, points of interest along the the continuum which makes up the the greater setting. So if we want to do Victorian age. See what what uh, adventurers would look like then, or if we want to look at, I don't know, the Edwardian era, or we want to look <laughs> further into the future, or if we want to look at World War Two adventurers. We all of these are options for us. So right. we can we can have all like, we're, we're not going to limit ourselves to just looking through like tiny three little slits. We're going to mm. have the whole of the whole of time open to us. Which is very
1: funny, yeah, and um, I know that uh, Rich Thomas mentioned a little bit that he really wants to kind of um push the the digital angle like these because um, he said that um, the Trinity books themselves are sort of organized in um, the setting sections are organized as like in world documents and you've got sort of little pop up hologram pictures and whatnot and uh, and Rich said that he wanted to kind of um, he wanted to try and get that going on on a digital product. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Well, it's something we'd like to do, but uh, in a technical sense, we need to find the people who who were able to do it. So just because we want to do something doesn't mean it's going to happen.
1: That's true, that's true. I mean uh, the I think an argument can be made that the Trinity line's original downfall was the, that the production um design was so lavish. I think you've got, you know, half full color sections, half um black and white. Is that kinda of more or less what happened to Trinity? Nope. Oh sorry, all right, never mind. Uh
2: Trinity was uh Trinity and Averont were both cancelled due to low sales. But uh... this is this is low sales compared to the world of darkness. <laughs> If oh, essentially, if the Trinity Universe had been getting the same sales, and it was almost any other company, it would have been seen as a smashing success. So okay. that's not something I'm personally too worried about. I've been getting a lot of positive feedback of people excited about this. Uh, so um, we we'd like to do like with the PDF and print-on-demand releases. We don't need to invest more like as much into doing. Uh, larger print runs with full color and everything, so it it gives us a lot more freedom in what we're able to do. So we'd like to, for example, just off the top of my head, in uh, in Trinity, maybe have um, some embedded videos in PDFs, or have like in advertisements off of the side, we could have those animated or whatever. I, that that might make for a massive download. It might not be feasible, but it's it's cool to think about.
1: Yeah, maybe maybe something like you know the scrolling news bar that you kind of get on you know twenty four hour news channel or something.
0: Right, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm. Hmm. All right, awesome. Well, it's very good to hear about the uh, Trinity Continuum. I uh, wish you uh, plenty of luck with that, Ian. It's
1: uh, definitely Thank you.
0: a huge task for you to be undertaking.
1: Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a little um, daunting, you...
0: but I'm excited.
1: So, I suppose the final question, Ian, would be: um, When are we likely to see a book, tentatively? Uh, Without
2: pinning anything down too much, I would say 2014. So not this year, but next.
0: Okay. All right, guys. So um, uh, I always like to ask uh, one question of uh, whoever is on the show for the first time. So uh, Ian, um, if you could be a household appliance, which would you be and why? This isn't my first time on the show. Well, okay. This is the first time (laughs) you're here as a guest and I'm asking you this question.
2: All right. Household appliance. Let's see. Look around me for a minute here, figure something out.
0: Uh, TV. <laughs> okay, okay, that's that's something. Um, a storytelling device. It is. Uh, it's uh, it's a little archaic. I think TVs are going to be dead in a couple of years as well. Well, maybe.
1: Well, <laughs> there's now there's now there's really no difference between a TV and a computer and a, and a exactly. computer monitor. Exactly. So there you go. Hmm.
0: Yep, good stuff. And uh, Peter, if you could be a household appliance, which would you be and why?
1: Oh, God, I thought about this one. Um, I would probably be an alarm clock because I'm annoying but useful.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. (laughs) Thanks. Nice. Um, So, Ian, if people want to uh, follow what you're doing, um, maybe maybe bother you about uh, Trinity and All the different game lines. Uh, Where can they uh, Where can they find you? Well, uh, I run the Onyx Path uh, Twitter account. I run
2: the Onyx Path Facebook account. I run the Onyx Path uh, Google Plus. I run the Onyx Path website. If you'd like to contact me more personally, uh, I'm on Twitter as Von Aether. V-O-N-A-E-T-H-E-R.
0: Very good. And uh, Peter, how about yourself?
1: Uh, if, you, if you really want to contact me, um, I, I'm, I'm quite active on the, um, on the Darker Days community, so jump on in there and have a chat with me. Awesome. Yep,
0: and uh, if you want to get in touch with Darker Days, uh, send us an email at darkerdaysradio at gmail.com. Uh, maybe check out our Facebook, facebook.com slash darkerdaysradio. And of course, the G Plus community, which is uh, just Darker Days Radio i think that's about it i don't think i have any other closing remarks so uh with that i'd like to uh, thank both uh you ian and uh peter as well for coming on the show and thank you for having me talking about trinity for this special birthday episode
1: (laughs) all right
0: and with that everyone uh have a good night Okay guys. Um can I bother you guys about this uh uh Ian, when you were when you were talking about the Trinity setting, you were talking about how the the Federated States of America are kind of like cyberpunky. Could you give me some more details on that? Uh, I'm looking I'm looking for a setting for the uh World of Darkness: Bleeding Edge. I'm thinking about running a game with that. So, Oh, yeah, okay. You pretty if much got it.
1: Oh, no. yeah. Nice. We've we've, uh, we've we've done that a couple of times. We've we've taken the Federated States of America and dropped them into the world of darkness, like you know, fifty to one hundred years later, and it works fine.
2: Uh, there are massive archeologies uh, running up and down the East Coast, where the vast majority of the U.S. Pop- or the FSA population is. Uh, but uh, Canada, okay, uh, at the end of the Avron Four, all right, uh, one. Abert blew himself up in the middle of the grain belt, so uh, a lot of the U.S. production of, you know, food was gone. So um, the military took over because there was a like a, a massive famine uh, situation, and they sort of annexed Canada. So, Canada, the US, and uh, parts of Mexico were all considered part of the Federated States of America, run by the military. USA. USA. And <laughs> U- well, that's terrible. I
1: mean, it's, it's, you, can, you, can, you can America bash, but I mean, I like to think that the, the countries and the regions in Trinity, which didn't sort of fare so well as others, were basically the ones that got screwed up the most during the Aberrant War and sort of, you know, just completely torn apart by, um, by, by raging aberrants,
2: Right. Uh, for yeah. example, Florida got sunk. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> it, it's only just starting to be to be recovered now. Um, anyway, so up and down the coast you have massive arcologies, which is, so, like, you know what an arcology is. Yeah, I do. I do. Um, <laughs> so, so there's your sort of Shadowrun-esque setting there, and a lot of the areas in between are more like like dirty rebel outposts you know people just scrounging for whatever they can find on the ground and trying to put something together functional out of that so it's it's almost it's almost mad maxi sort of (laughs) situation uh like almost as soon as you leave the arcologies because like the the security is pretty tight only authorized people get to go inside sort of thing
1: awesome awesome
0: yep all right i'm sold 'm actually I know it.
1: Uh, we've done it a couple of times and it's it's perfect it, it's it slots right in there
2: actually if uh you have a moment, I probably have some pictures I can load up from one of the
1: books uh, I could even I could hold them up in front of the camera i've got a co- I've got my copy of America offline just right there hang
0: on. Oh, America offline's is the uh, source I've I've seen a copy yeah. of that. It has,
1: it, has, it, has, it has the greatest title ever. Yeah, I, <laughs> I love that title.
0: I <laughs> didn't actually find a copy of an of a Trinity sourcebook or Aberrant source book until like a couple years back, like two summers ago. First time I really Yeah, that was one.
1: that was something that we discovered here in Australia. We didn't know if it was just the fact that we're Australia. But um, the Trin- certain Trinity books were really, really hard to come by. It was only really sort of in the early 2000s that eBay really kicked off that, that we started being able to sort of pick up at, um, everything we were after.
2: Mm-hmm. Really? Hmm. Yeah. That's odd. I've never
0: really had a problem. Suckers. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just yeah, something, we- it's something interesting. <laughs> uh, but I did actually find a shop that uh, has a whole bunch of the books. So maybe i will go check that out.
1: Yeah, go for it, man. Yeah, we talk. Uh, we, we we talked about that a little bit on the communities that um yeah back in back in the day. So we're talking ninety nine through to um, probably two thousand and four. Role playing game books you just could not get. Um, you just could not get them cheaply. You could if you could take um the American cover price and double or triple it. Yeah, I know. And that's I know happened. about I've, you guys
0: I've, and your your experience of Games yeah. Workshop as well, yeah. which
1: is. Oh god, yes, the Games Workshop. It's ah, the dear old Games Workshop. That was, it was something that I never quite got with Games Workshop, where it was, it's a hobby design. It's a, it's a sort of teenagers' hobby, but you need an adult's resources. (laughs) Because I, I remember thinking, oh, I want to get myself a two thousand point army, and that will be about seven hundred dollars, and for fifteen year olds, yeah, that didn't quite work out.
0: No, definitely not. Uh, yeah, Ian. I'm looking yeah. at this picture, and um, this is a blight research facility. The blight is what's
2: left of the uh, the green belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. I'm just sort of flipping through images here. Do, 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 do. Uh, so these, yeah. so these are all production.
1: These are all the production images that you've got access to, is it? Uh, some of them, yeah. Oh God, know I, I would, yeah. I would love all this sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah. All
0: right, here's an archeology. I'm not. I'm not digging those three D images.
1: It's that. Yeah, product of its time
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly Yeah Uh, that is Pretty cool looking Arcology, actually
2: Interesting If you look very, very Closely, uh At the advertisements Visible through the windows You can see AT&T And Coca-Cola A few others in there Let's see And um, Will
0: Wheaton's Talking to you Holy crap
2: No, that's just <laughs> He's got a It's, uh His Facebook feed I know I've Got that Popping up on Twitter Um
1: yeah, um, Will Whe- Will Wheaton tagged me once in a G plus post. I almost fell out of my chair. Oh, that's awesome! Right. Nah, Will Wheaton's cool. i I met him. Well, sort of. I I, I stood in line for ninety minutes, got him to sign something. Said you're really cool, and then was you know shoved aside. But nah. you actually, uh, you actually, you actually got a better fan interaction with with Will Wheaton than pretty much anyone, didn't you, Ian?
2: Yes, I did. <laughs> uh, have you heard this story, Mike? I have not. What is it? Okay. Um have you heard of Sparks McGee? Nope. Okay. Um, about ten years ago-ish, uh, someone sent an email to Will Wheaton saying, You know what could have made Wesley Crusher popular? Is if you gave him a cool name like Sparks McGee, you had him wear like a cowboy hat and a muscle shirt, and he would drive around in his Trans Am on the Enterprise, and he'd be, and he'd be so cool. And... and and uh, people would, you'd have to have the other characters constantly asking, like, number one, where the devil is Sparks McGee? And he'd say, probably driving around in his muscle car, sir. And they'd all laugh, ha, <laughs> ha, 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 and work would say something about honor. Yeah, yeah. So so he he posted that on his blog ten years ago, promptly forgot about it. Mm-hmm. I mentioned it to him on, uh, on a Reddit post uh, in March last year. And he was like, oh my god, I completely forgot about this. This is the best thing ever. He reposted it to his blog, he posted it to Twitter, he posted it everywhere. Everything was all about Sparks McGee. A Sparks McGee Tumblr has popped up. Uh, <laughs> like, he recently made a made a post that said Sparks McGee is the, the second best thing that ever happened to me after his wedding. Um, <laughs> which is... Uh, so I'm sort of responsible for that. So anyway, he was at uh, Polaris, a sci-fi convention in Toronto in July, and I walked in, and um, his handler introduced us like, "Will, this is Ian," and I said, "Hi, Will. Um, I'm Ian. I'm I'm. You might remember me as the guy who reintroduced you to Sparks me And he jumped up, "Ian Watson!" <laughs> like, "Yeah!"
1: <laughs> like, "Oh my God!" <laughs> and
2: then he jumped up and like. Do you, like, do you have a cell phone? we've got to get a picture and post it on reddit, Like, okay, like looking around all these signs <laughs> saying absolutely no photos because like there was a photo session later you had to pay forty bucks for and yeah, His, yeah, Hamlin, we, we'll his was like uh, are you sure? and he's like, "Yeah, it's cool,
0: I know him
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> nice, nice, so I've got this photo of us
1: like leaning together, and it's pretty cool yeah, awesome. got, I mean that's we're brothers. That's that's kind of what you want. It's it's I've I've been to the local convention scene a couple of times and those really polished sort of high school prom photos that you get with them kind of creep me out a little bit. I mean, I, I if I if I'd want a photo with them, it would be the sort of, you know, on the cell phone hanging with friends kind of photo.